He has a nose for news and a face for radio. You're listening to Price's Highway, the podcast with your host, Steve Price. Buckle up, Spring Hill Metroplex, and enjoy the ride. Meet two ghost hunters who have some very spooky stories they want to share. When Stevie met Carrie, a love story. Find out how in the world I got so dang lucky. Plus, sunshine and sunflowers. We go road tripping down to Columbia. These stories and so much more right here on Price's Highway, the podcast. All right, giddy up. Let's do this thing. You're listening to Price's Highway presented by Price Sells Homes. Are you planning to move and need the best realtor on the planet? Don't think twice. Call Carrie Price at 615-497-3317. That's 615-497-3317. Now back to the podcast. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to Price's Highway, the podcast. Thanks so much for joining me. This is the second episode, so it looks like we're going to make a run of this thing. You know, it's been pretty interesting. As you know, this is a hyper-local show focusing mainly on Spring Hill, Tennessee. But because this is a podcast with a global reach, ever since the pilot episode was released, I have received millions and millions and millions of emails from people all over the world Wanting to know more about this Spring Hill, Tennessee, they are hearing so much about. So I thought it'd be fun to come up with a quiz for you, the listening audience, all about the place we call home. It's a fun and exciting segment I'm calling the ABCs of Spring Hill, Tennessee. All right, question number one. Spring Hill was first settled hundreds of years ago by A, the Cherokee, B, the Apache, or C, two guys named Froggy and Jeffro. (laughs) Question number two. The traffic circle at the Crossing Shopping Center was designed by A, the Tennessee Department of Transportation, B, a private engineering firm, or C, Hitler. (laughs) Question number three. The number 40,000 represents A, the population of Spring Hill, B, the number of fast food restaurants in the area, or C, the minutes it takes to go from Wilkes Lane to Campbell Station Parkway during rush hour. (laughs) Question number four. 5.67% represents A, the percentage of registered voters that actually voted in the last city election, B, the percentage of people that call Critz Road, Kreitz Road, Or C, the percentage of people still listening to this podcast. All right, question number five. The ban currently in effect in the city of Spring Hill is A, a burn ban, B, a water irrigation ban, or C, my lifelong ban from iHeart Spring Hill. Actually, there's more than one correct answer on that one. And finally, what do Spring Hillians love more than fried chicken? A, Nothing, B, nothing, or C, nothing. (laughs) And now, Price's Headlines. It was announced earlier this week that leaders at Taco Bell Corporate came to Spring Hill to replace all of their employees at the Newport Royal location with turtles and tortoises. Talk about an improvement. 
folks are finally getting their Burrito Supremes a shell of a lot faster. With Breast Cancer Awareness Month starting a few days from now in October, all area Kroger stores are now providing privacy curtains at the self-checkout. Remember hearing about how the Union Army strategically used Columbia Pike? Well, they're back. But this Union Army doesn't have bayonets, cannons, or heavy artillery. However, they are armed with their demands to General Motors written in colorful magic markers on poster boards. GM strikers say they are doing their best to keep this war civil. And for the real headlines, let's check in with Chris Yao, the managing editor for the Advertiser News of Spring Hill and Thompson Station. Newsroom, Chris Yao. Chris Yao, Steve Price, what's going on? Oh, man, I am doing great. How are you? What's going on with the podcast? Well, we just got word right before I called you that we are now part of the Apple Podcast family, and we are very excited about that. That, my friend, is newsworthy right there. That's pretty cool. Nothing more legit than Apple Podcasts. That's what I hear. And yeah, we are just really, really pumped. And uh, I just wanted to tell people before we go into the headlines that you host another show called Sports Night. I do. Uh, this is our third year doing Sports Night. It's the first year that we've ever actually done it, like, literally live. Um, and we host it uh, every Tuesday night at 6.30. Um, you can catch it on Facebook, on our website, advertisernews.biz, under the video tab, or on Twitter, at Sports Night TN. You can check it out. Any of those places, it's live from 6.30 to 7 every Tuesday night. Super cool. Um, really excited about uh, about the rest of the football season. we got some great teams in this area. So moving on, we do have some headlines, correct? Yeah, we've got some great stuff going on in the city of Spring Hill right now. Um, one of the big things, obviously, the, one of the same things we talked about last week was the town center, but uh, the Kedron Square project, which was approved, and uh, it's going to make a a lot of headway for the city to incorporate uh, some residential, but also tons of commercial and uh, development in the on the ch- the children's home property. Um, so that's going to be really cool. And they actually, um, the city asked the developer to leave some room for uh, possible municipal growth, which means that there could potentially be a a city hall or a library or something like that on this property uh, in the future. Awesome. So if people want to stay up to date with that project, they can always turn to you all at the Advertiser News, correct? Oh, absolutely. Uh, You know, our our paper is, Throwing the driveways every, uh, uh, hopefully we hit the driveway. Sometimes it's the ditch, unfortunately. Uh, but we try to get it to your driveway or as close to your mailbox as possible. And uh, just check it, you know, it's the top headline of this week's paper. So if you guys want to check out, uh, check that out, just pick up the paper and front page. It's right there on the top. So a full story about that. And uh, lots of information in there regarding um, just updates because it's really an exciting project and and this is just an exciting time for spring hill um additionally speaking of kind of the town square and i think that's going to be a big connectivity issue um for the town it's going to connect the old school area as well as you know potentially we get a sidewalk across kedron 
uh, road all the way up to even the crossings area. So uh, connectivity being a big a big thing in municipal growth right now, the city is also taking applications for a sidewalk project, which has been in effect since 2013. Well, very cool. How do people who want a sidewalk apply for one? So it's it's really interesting. This is one of those things where all you have to do is go to the city website, springhilltn.org, uh, search neighborhood sidewalk program. And if you want, basically all you have to do is submit their prod, you know, submit their application before October 31st and your, you know, your neighborhood or subdivision could, you know, find itself with a brand new sidewalk uh, helping you connect to different parts of the city wherever you are. Well, that's great. Anything else happening? Uh, you know, let me just mention one more thing. Uh, Miller's Thrillers opens this weekend on Saturday night, and Miller's Thrillers is a local uh, haunt slash hayride. Miller's Thrillers is one of these cool places. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been out there, but it draws people from all it, it draws people from all across the southeast. Um, people from all across the region. Matter of fact, the first time I went, I was still living in Alabama. That's how big of a deal it was. Um, and this year he has something really cool I want to tell people about. And uh, I'll, I'll kind of save if you, you know, obviously if you read the paper, you'll find out a lot more about it. But I'll tell you a long story short, he has a, uh, an attraction called Arena X. And if that doesn't make you interested, I don't know what will. Oh, wow. Yeah. Arena X. Watch out, kids. So, yeah. It's like Coliseum style, it, right? It, so that's, that's it. So you're going to, you're going to go to this event, right? You're going to go to Miller's Thrillers and you're walking through the woods and then you come upon a, a circus tent basically. And okay. then you decide if you want to be a contestant or a spectator. If you choose to be a contestant, you'll actually go into the tent and you'll have flag football belts around your waist, right? <laughs> and it's like an escape game. So you're looking for the ringmaster's top hat and the catch is you're going to be chased by clowns and they're going to be trying to oh, take that geez. belt off of you. Yeah. So if you're afraid of clowns, probably not the best thing for you to do. But if you're not, this is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, it's like a three minute game. So it's not like something that you're going to take a lot of time with. Right. But, um, you know, they're, they're going to be chasing you and trying to take those flags off before you find the ringmaster's top hat. Going to be really cool. Um, you're going to want to check that out. I'm telling you. Read more about it, like I said, in the Advertiser News. Full story this week and, and as well for that. Well, you know what? We also have some... Uh paranormal investigators coming up on the show a little later today. Do you have any ghost stories you want to share? I'll tell you my favorite ghost story. Um, Bardstown, Kentucky. Okay. I, uh, I went to the Talbot Tavern and Inn, and it is one of the most haunted places in America. I was, I, I lucked into a ghost tour. I was actually just walking around and the ghost tour was going on. So I jumped in uh, and, so I was in the room where Jesse James, the outlaw Jesse James, mm. he used to stay at the Talbot Tavern because his cousin was the local sheriff. So he could stay there and not get arrested. <laughs> well, one night, um, Jesse woke up in the middle of the night and he he saw birds flying off of the murals on the wall because he was drunk. And he starts shooting at the wall. Well, there are still bullet holes in the walls of this of the Talbot Tavern. And I was in there with a 12-year-old girl who had her phone out, and she said, she just literally said, Jesse, are you here? And then 
she said, Jesse, did you put these holes in the wall? Well, she played her voice recorder back and he didn't answer to, are you here? But when she asked, did you put these holes in the wall? You could audibly hear. Literally one of the coolest things I've ever encountered or experienced. So that's my ghost story. I talked to Jesse James or at least a 12 year old girl did in my presence. (laughs) That is very, very creepy. Well, cool. Hey, it was pretty cool. Thanks so much again for being on the show today and we'll catch up with you next week. All right. We'll talk to you then. I of course want to thank the advertiser news of spring Hill and Thompson station for being the show's media sponsor. All right. We have a brand new segment. It's called road tripping with Ava. Ava price is my daughter. She's 11. She's in sixth grade. And sometimes we like to go on road trips and now she is interviewing the people who own the places we go to see. So, Ava, welcome to the big show. Thank you. All right, so we went to a little place called, actually kind of a big place. It's called Liberty Grace Farms, and it's in Columbia. So tell us all about it, Ava P. So what we did when we got there was we went to the barn and got lemonade. and It was so good, too, wasn't it? Yes. Very refreshing. And delicious hot dogs. And chips. And you know what's really cool about the people who own that? When they ask you, hey, how would you like your hot dog cooked? Do you want it extra burned or do you want it just regular? Nobody does that. Very cool of them to do that. Moving forward. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt, (laughs) Ava. So, anyway, when we got there, we saw plenty of fun activities such as, um, well, the food, bounce houses, and a lot of flowers. And never-ending fun. So, yeah. The sunflowers really are never-ending. It's like a sea of sunflowers. And it's mm-hmm. really cool. Now, you had the opportunity to interview Miss Jody, didn't you? Yes. And let's listen to that now, shall we? I'm here with Miss Jody, and I'm going to ask her some questions. She is at Liberty Grace Farm and Vineyard in Columbia, Tennessee. What are you most proudest of about your farm well the fact that what we have we've built all together with my family and myself we have four kids and we've got the sunflowers in the summer and into the fall and we've got tulips in the spring Uh, we've got a four acre vineyard and an event barn and the six of us have pretty much done it all by ourselves how long did it take for you to establish this place Uh, about two years now we've been working and we just opened last year the first year for the sunflowers the tulips and the event barn Uh, so it's taken us a good two years before we could really get up and running what's your favorite part about this probably meeting all the people with the flowers Um, people love flowers it makes people happy and uh, the bookings that we get in the barn is always great and uh, the, the flowers have been the best advertising we could have done how did you know that you wanted to do this oh I didn't know I wanted to do this (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we just, um, we, we came up here and we, we put our house in and then we decided we had to make money to live. And so we said, well, what do we want to do? And we bought all this property. We have 80 acres total. And we we're trying to figure out what we wanted to do with the 80 acres so that it could make money for us. And so we thought the vineyard would be fun. And then we decided on the barn and then the flowers. I love flowers. But I love the sunflowers. My husband loves the tulips. 
So it was his idea, I'll give him credit, to do the tulips and just see if people will come and pick. And they did. People came out and picked. And then we said, okay, well, I like sunflowers, so let's do sunflowers. And so that's what we've been doing for two years. Sunflower picking might be coming to an end, but there's still many other things to do at the farm. One of them is gingerbread house making. Yeah, we'll be doing that this December, 7th and 8th, 8th. And you can sign up online at libertygracefarm.com for our gingerbread decorating event. It'll be from 1 to 4 on Saturday and Sunday, the 7th and the 8th. And all you have to do is pay the admission and we'll have the gingerbread houses and everything you'd need to decorate. Plus we'll have hot chocolate and cookies for just to get you into the Christmas spirit. How much is admission? Uh, it's $35 if you buy the tickets online before October 1st. And if you buy the tickets online after until October 7th, it'll be $45 we have to order the gingerbread houses so we need to know kind of earlier rather than later as to what how many people we're going to be having yeah so but we'll have everything you're going to need all the icing all the candy everything you're going to need all you have to do is bring your your imagination and your friends well thank you miss jody you're welcome thank you all right Eva, what a great job you did interviewing have you ever done that before uh no what do you think do you think it came out okay too i think it came out Okay, if I had stopped playing with my pop socket, it would come out even better. Well, these are just some of the things we learn as we just go along with this thing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I've got a lot of learning to do as well. But hey, you have a website, a little blog, don't you? Yes. And if you don't mind me telling the audience about I that. I don't mind at all. Okay. So if you click on the link below or... In the show notes. In the show notes. If you click on that, then you'll see my personally made blog where I post pictures and um, sometimes I'll post videos of places we've been and the latest place I'm telling you guys about, and I'll just talk a bit about it. And so viewers keep it coming. Make sure to like all those photos and I'll see you next time on Road Trippin' with Ava. All right, that was my daughter, Ava Price. I hope you enjoyed that. I know I did. That was, that was just good fun. We were out there picking sunflowers and we came up with the idea of Road Trippin' with Ava. So we used her iPhone and we apologize for the, uh, the wind noise and everything. It wasn't really professional equipment out there, but it's something that we just wanted to do and I'm glad we did it and I'm glad you heard it. So before I posted this podcast, I went to their website, libertygracefarms.com to see if sunflower picking season is still happening. And it looks like today, which is Wednesday, September 25th, is going to be their last day due to the heat and no rain in sight. But there's still plenty of other stuff to do there uh, throughout the year, as you heard. So check them out at libertygracefarms.com. And of course... That website will be in the show notes. All right, we have a very special guest with us today in the Price's Highway studio. It's my lovely wife and realtor, Carrie Price. Woohoo! Thank you. Hi, everybody. All right, well, I know a lot of people want to know the backstory between me and you. And when I say many people, I'm talking about the three people listening to the <laughs> show right now, which would be me, you, and probably one of our parents. Right, right. Um, but they probably want to know how we met, because I don't think we ever told them. Well, I, I, 
honestly, the thing, the thing that uh, people ask me the most, I would say, when, they, when they've met Steve but haven't met me, or they know me but uh, then end up meeting Steve, they go, how in the world did you all end up together? You're nothing alike. Nothing. <laughs> and they're right. We are, we're pretty much total opposites. But opposites attract, right? Absolutely. So we actually, um, we met through a mutual friend who had been trying for months and months to set me up with her friend who she referred to as Kramer. She's like, Kramer's so cool. He comes out, we call him Kramer. He comes out with with the married couples. He's happy to be like a third wheel. We love him. Everybody loves him. Carrie, you need to meet him. Which means single guy can't get a girl (laughs) to try it, probably. That's probably what that meant. Well, I kept telling her no because I was already seeing someone else. So being the salesman that she was, she, she and I actually worked at the same radio station across the street from the TV station where Steve worked. But being the salesman that she was, she kept pushing and pushing. And when she finally realized I was never going to take her up on the offer, she tricked me into meeting him. She said, Carrie, um, every Wednesday night, three guys and three girls play golden tea golf over at, and have pizza over at Mellow Mushroom in Columbus, Georgia. And so would you like to, uh, to come out and fill in for one of the girls that can't make it? And I thought, well, sure, that'd be fun. I'd enjoy doing that. And I really did want to get to know Jennifer better. So so I show up. I had just gotten a pedicure. I probably still had um, toilet paper between my toes. You know how that you, they put you in those little flip-flops. <laughs> I remember kind of like trying to spruce up in the parking lot. And I walk in, and there's Steve and two married couples. And that's he's, me. <laughs> he's got a big smile on his face. And I thought, all right, she got me. So that's what this is. It's a setup. And it was a fun night. Well, I think the one thing that we found out instantly was that after we ate pizza, we went down to the uh, tap downtown Columbus, Georgia, and you rode with me. Yes. And I put on, I'm like, okay, I've got this one CD that nobody knows. They don't know who this is. I saw the case for it in your car and pointed it out like, oh my gosh, you like this artist? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So... And the artist is Matthew Sweet. Mm-hmm. And again, he's not very famous, but I loved his music, and apparently so did you. Yes, yes. And that was the big bonding moment right there, I think, um, just talking about our music, because we had similar tastes in music. We did, yeah. There was a little overlap there. <laughs> yeah. I like some things you didn't, and vice versa. I was more of an REM guy. You were more of a U2 gal. Yes. And I don't think you can have the two. <clears throat> It's kind of like Elvis and the Beatles. It's either one or the other. So we finally get to the loft. Did I say loft at the beginning or did I say the tap? So we finally got to our destination downtown to play Golden Tee Golf. And I also found out that you were a singer in a pretty popular band playing in Columbus and the surrounding area. Oh, well, you're sweet. I would say we we had a very Brady band. Um, My dad was the drummer. Um, It was uh, my dad's a really talented drummer, musician, and he's always been in a band. So I have memories of being a little girl um, staring down from a balcony in a hotel watching uh, on New Year's Eve and different holidays, watching my dad's band entertain people and play. And it was a lot of oldies music, um, old R&B, beach music. um, And I always wanted to be on stage with him. And uh, so... There came a time when I was about 16 where he snuck me into a club called Muldoon's in Columbus, Georgia, where where I grew up. And um, he let me have just a little taste of what it was like to 
be in front of a crowd and sing. And so I did three songs. I think Heard It Through the Grapevine was one of them and two others. I loved it. Um, But right when the three songs were up, he scooted me back out the door. And it was another seven years, I think, six, seven years before I got the chance to come back down to Columbus after college. And UGA. Yeah, went to UGA. Came back home and was the lead singer for Carrie and the Cruisers, which is a band he built uh, built around the kind of music I was into back then and what he and his friends enjoyed playing as well. Yeah, yeah. And then um, so we get into the, uh, the place called The Loft and we start playing Golden Tee Golf. And I don't think I ever told you this, but, you know, yeah, I was single, but I was kind of seeing somebody too. And I think at that point it was just kind of, you know, I was, you know, looking elsewhere and I don't think she was, but she walked in while we were playing and my friends distracted her from me and she saw us together and she stormed out. I didn't know this. Yeah. And so I made them my groomsmen. For, oh. <laughs> for doing that. It was, that was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course they were. I wonder what and, your selection process was. <laughs> yeah, it was a motley crew. <laughs> hey, come on. Come on. Just kidding. So we're playing Golden Tea and we lost. And that's not something that uh, we're known for doing is losing. <laughs> the funny thing, I don't even remember playing that game. Was I, I must not have been too into it. I was probably no. listening to the music. Knowing yeah. me. Yeah. Just standing there. <laughs> anyway, we ended up the night. Um, I took you back to your car at Mellow Mushroom and said our goodbyes. And it was just very friendly. Yeah, very friendly. And But I just really had a good time and I just really couldn't stop thinking about you. Oh, that was sweet. Well, even though my heart was really kind of tied up in somebody else and it was, um, I remember thinking this, this is a really cool guy. He's laid back. He's funny. He's fun, real lighthearted, very genuine person. Um, had a great time with him. So I went to bed thinking that. And the next morning I got up, hopped on to check my email, my AOL account back then. And there, there was an email from Steve. And the immediately I noticed the subject line of the email was being with you was 100% fun. And For those of you who know Matthew Sweet's music, 100% Fun is the name of one of his most popular albums, and that was the album that we kind of connected over. Uh So immediately, his wit and his charm won me over, and as they say, the rest is history. And here we are today. Yeah. Been through a lot of ups and downs, um, just like the real estate market. Yes. Yes. (laughs) 16 years. Is it 16 years? I don't know. Okay, we met in 2002. Okay. Okay, so we met in April 2002, and we were married in February 2003. Yeah, we didn't waste any time. In fact, I remember there was one show that you were playing, and you thought I was proposing, but I was not proposing. <laughs> no. <laughs> because who would propose <laughs> this way? Let's face it, girls. All right. Whenever you've dated someone a while, and you've had kind of those talks, and you know, or at least you think you know they're going to be proposing, you think you know that you're the one for them and vice versa you start looking for those moments when hey is this is this it is he about to do it or at least that was me that's what I was doing so this one particular show we were downtown Columbus uh, on Broadway and we were in the median um, it was a big outdoor festival and there were uh, a big crowd sitting on hay bales out there and I was up on stage and um, my parents or my mom was out there with my sister Steve a um, bunch of people and in the in the middle of the 
set that we were doing, Steve has something in his hand and he's walking up between the hay bales, walking up to the stage and he sets this thing at my feet. I look down and I see that it's a hot dog and with mustard, he has written something on the hot dog. And I'm immediately thinking while singing, oh my gosh, is this it? Did he, is he proposing to me on a hot dog? Please, Lord, let this not be the moment. Because if I have to go around and tell people that he wrote something on a wiener and put a ring on the wiener and put it at my feet, I just don't know if I can do that. So when the song came to an end, I looked down and of course, he had written something on there, but it was happy six months or something. (laughs) So I didn't get my proposal. Thankfully, I didn't get it that way. No, you know, um, but anyway, I thought that was really funny. And uh, it wasn't long after that that he did. Yeah, propose. it was probably just a couple of weeks or so. <laughs> um, well, you know, it's been, we've been together for 16 years, 17 years. Who's counting? Uh, Moved to Nashville one year after we got married. We did. Yes, I got my gig at Channel 4. And you were at the Hotel Millennial Maxwell House. Yes, sales hotel. manager uh, working in hospitality for a hotel up here. And then uh, after that, my career really went into back into working in advertising. So, you know, my first advertising gig was selling advertising, radio advertising with McClure. And then I went on to sell uh, print uh, with Gannett. I worked for all the Rage magazine, the Clipper magazine, uh, selling direct mail, um, and then started selling your services when you became self-employed years ago mm-hmm. uh, for the Music first Row time. Video. Music Row Video. Yep. Uh, we did a show and are still doing a show called the Highland Woodworker and in which your dad is the host and I direct, produce, shoot, edit yes. and write it. Um, so that's a www.thehighlandwoodworker.com. <laughs> Never miss a chance to yeah, you. Well, <laughs> anyway, well, that's another thing we bonded on is we love to market and we love to brand. Yes. While we are opposites in so many ways, we get super, super geeky excited when we when one of us comes up with an idea or has this little brief moment of innovation and the other person jumps on and tries to really help take it from zero to a hundred pretty quick with what can this become? What can we do with it? How do we put it out there? Both of us are very entrepreneurial and we get super excited about these revelations as you used to refer to them. (laughs) The Saturday morning revelations. (laughs) We'd wake up, Hey, I've got this idea. Gosh. And sometimes they were good ideas. Sometimes they were bad ideas, but there were 52 in a year. Every Saturday morning, right. we would come up with something. <laughs> and some worked, some didn't. But uh, what's working for you now is real estate. And uh, tell the listening audience uh, just kind of your path in real estate, uh, where you started and where you are now, and maybe some tips on what people need to do if they're thinking about putting their house on the market in the near future. Yes. Yeah. So I got my start six years ago with Keller Williams Realty in Spring Hill. And um, I will tell you that first year was really, really tough. Uh, Definitely moments, many moments where I thought, oh my gosh, I have just gambled away all of our money and I don't know if I'm ever going to get it back. What have I done? But God would always send somebody or several bodies along at that perfect time Mm -hmm. to just remind me that this all is normal. This this uphill battle, the the feeling of, gosh, I don't know if I can ever do this. It's just part of it. It's part of the journey, and you learn from it, and you keep going. And um, even though 90% of people 
quit after getting their license in their first year. They just give it up. Um, I was, it's tough. It is tough. I was part of that 10% though that just kept on going. And when people ask me, you know, what does it take to make it? I think it takes a passion for doing it. You just have to really, really love it and be fascinated by everything you learn that first year. You just have to be hungry for knowledge and information and you have to want it. But the other part is you have to be in a situation when you're self-employed that failure is not an option, that you're going to be successful because your family's counting on you. They need the income. You need the income. So I think it's that uh, it's kind of a balance of, of being interested in it and then knowing failure is not an option. You know, I've got to find a way to be successful. And with, with the marriage of those two things, you will make it. You really will. And for people who are thinking about maybe putting their house on the market here in the near future, is it a good time to do it? It, it absolutely is. Um, for people who have reached out to me recently asking about, um, you know, whether or not I think it's a good move to list their home now uh, or possibly list it this winter, uh, list it before the busy spring season, I tell them a couple of things. Um, if you're planning on buying, uh, listing and buying this fall or winter, when you go to buy your home in our market locally, um, you're going to have less competition, which is a great thing. Um, and so even though there's l- fewer homes to choose from, sellers are not quite uh, as optimistic about getting multiple offers and, you know, and just having a quick sale in the fall or winter. So from a buying standpoint, um, that coupled with the, with the interest rates that we have right now, which are fairly low and have been consistently good, um, it's a great time to buy. Now, it can be a little tricky selling this time of year. I think the critical thing is, even though your agent is going to be showing you comps for the past six months, keep in mind those comps are for spring and summer. That's peak season. So we have to be careful and not price the home based on peak season pricing. We think we take that into account, but we need to price the home based on where we are now and where the market's going. So I would say uh, if you do that, then and both parties, you know, the agent and the seller are realistic about it, you can be very successful selling quickly this time of year. It's just, um, you know, we're not in the peak season, so we have to, and the market's a little softer, so you just have to keep that in mind. All right. Well, Carrie Price, thanks so much for joining us today. Um, but you're going to be back a little later on in the show for the big three, aren't you? The big you? three, yes. All right. Fall is finally here, which of course means... Ghosts, goblins, and snotty-nosed kids ringing your doorbell asking for candy. Well, once the chill of getting the common cold from costumed neighborhood 'er ne'er-do-wells passes, the frightening thought of what might be under your bed, in your closet, or down the hall during the witching hour provides the real goosebumps. Recently, two paranormal investigators, David and Nikki Edge from Tennessee Paranormal, stopped by the Price's Highway studio and had some spooky stories they wanted to share. How are you all? Doing good. How are you? Doing great. David, thanks for joining us too. Thank you. Good to see you. <laughs> good I knew you wanted to say hi, so yeah. here we are. <laughs> okay, well, it's it's that time of year again. You know, we've got Halloween coming up. And so all the ghost stories are going to start popping up on social media and beyond. Um, so tell us a little bit about your company and your founder, Okay. Uh, the team founder is Ronnie Headley, and he is in Chapel Hill, Tennessee, and he started this company for us, and uh, we were all on a team previously together, and then we decided 
yeah, let's go somewhere else. So he has this company and he's like, hey guys, let's come over here and let's start this up and let's go investigate here, here, and here. So here we are. <laughs> and how long have y'all been doing this? Um, on a team, we've probably been investigating at least, I'd say about five years mm-hmm. uh, as far as the interest in the paranormal. Uh, I mean, it dates Life's back long. 20, 20 <laughs> years. <long. laughs> you know, When we, we first started out, of course, the first lure to kind of getting in was uh, some of the darker side of the history of some of the areas uh, that you go to. You always go to these uh, nice, you know, like towns like Nashville or Charleston, South Carolina or Savannah, and you have these nice historical tours. But to actually hear the dark side, you know, of what, what happened in these houses after dark, that's what drew our interest initially. Big and, time. You know, we grew from <laughs> there. So Earlier we are talking, and David, you are more of a skeptic. And Nikki, you're not a skeptic. Um, occasionally, very occasionally, I can be skeptical. Um, I tend to be more of a believer initially. Is there was there a certain event that really triggered that? Um, there was probably a couple, but the biggest one was when my aunt passed away. And uh, she came through one of our devices, and um, I won't go into details of what she she was saying, but um, that kind of set it in stone for me. I was like, okay, I know what I've seen on TV. I know, you know, what I've heard other people say, but this is it. This is my experience. This is this is real. Now, were you scared, or was it comforting? No, it was oddly comforting. I, I, he was asleep initially, and I woke him up. And I was like, "Oh my goodness!" It's <laughs> like you gotta hear this. So, wow. <laughs> it was really, it was sad, but at the same time, it was really neat because it opened a whole new door for me to explore. So that was the first real experience you had when mm-hmm. you were an adult. Interesting. And David, what about you? Uh, I had a childhood experience. Um, Actually, when I lived in Charleston, South Carolina in the 80s, um, I saw something one day in our house and uh, spooked me, but I kept it to myself. Uh, you know, back in the 80s, it wasn't, uh, you know, it's popular to talk about things, so you really didn't, but it's always stuck with me my entire life of that experience. And uh, it was, uh, I don't know if our house was built in an Indian burial ground or some kind of Indian, but I know one day that I had seen this Indian in our house and, uh, and it, it spooked me big time. But like I said, I kind of buried it, but just had it always in my mind. It always, you know, it's still so vivid in my mind of seeing it like it was yesterday, you know, and that was, uh, like I said, it was late eighties when that, when that happened. So. so it was an apparition. Did it say anything or no, it was just standing there. It didn't, it didn't. I, you know, I was, at my house by myself and I uh, heard a noise in the back and had a little dog that we had got after Hurricane Hugo had hit uh, Charleston. And um, we actually both went back there and I was frozen when I saw it and the dog hit me in the leg and that's what took me. I just took off and ran. I didn't know what I'd seen back there. I just, I knew no one else was there and it was just, it was some kind of experience. And we moved, <laughs> we moved shortly after that, of course, my dad being in the military, so we weren't there much longer, but it was definitely an experience that I, that I never would forget. And you all go on uh, investigations, both private, and I know that you have walking tours, but let's talk about the private investigations first. Mm-hmm. Now, being a skeptic a lot of times, you really need the, uh, you really need the binary 
the ones and zeros behind is there something here or not? And you have the equipment to uh, to do that. Correct. Yeah, we we try. We go in and um, we'll take a you know paranormal is something that science can't explain basically. Um, so we take a scientific approach when we first come in. Um, we'll interview the clients. Uh, we'll get any uh, details, anything that that they have occurring in there. Um, we'll, we'll go and we'll actually search the property as well. We'll go down to the, um, county, um, the county clerk, we'll go down there, we'll pull property records. We'll, we'll try to look at local historians. We'll find out anything we can about the property, what used to be there, what's here, what, you know, what, what has happened and occurred there. And then when we come in actually with our equipment, you know, we'll, we'll use it, uh, to scan, uh, like we'll take the K2s or the tri-field, which uh, checks like electric magnetic fields. Um, we'll check just the baseline of the house first. And we'll use, we'll use a different equipment. Like we'll go through even with our spirit boxes. Um, we'll go through with our weather equipment just to see if windows are leaking or if there's any of that. People say they get a cold chill. You know, could it be explained that a window or something is causing it or maybe a vent or anything? And we actually conduct the investigation. You know, we try to shut off everything we possibly can so it doesn't interfere. But when we do that baseline, it'll kind of tell us. There's, there's usually some hot spots in a house, um, you know, like someone's um, electric service panel in their house. It's going to create a lot of energy from there, but it's also going to do it. And you can have like a basement area with a lot of different items that create kind of a paranoia in a person to think that something's around them, but it's just a lot of high electric field, you know, electric magnetic field that's around them that's creating it. Is there anything you ever captured that you're like, oh boy, <laughs> like, what was that? Oh boy, that was so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we yeah, a lot of those. Yeah, we've got a lot of EVPs. Um, you know, we've got some, some interesting things on video that we couldn't quite explain. Um so yeah, over the over the years, uh, we've done a lot of a lot of investigations, private and public places. So, um, but yeah, a lot of video and audio. And Nikki, what I know a lot of people want to know. All right, they're listening in Spring Hill and Thompson Station, and they want to know: Is this area haunted? What would you say <laughs> to those people? Oh man! Oh goodness! Uh, Spring Hill and Thompson Station area is lit up with activity it is all over the place i mean there was the battle of spring hill that was in the area and you know you had soldiers coming from you know all over and camping out different areas and going to you know have operations and recovering different places and taking over homes here there and everywhere around the area and you know i mean their blood was seeping into the grass so their their stories are here have you been somewhere that you're like, oh boy, this is this is wild. There's a lot of stuff happening around me. Uh, when we used to be on another team, we investigated at Ripavilla a few times, and that's I'd say probably the most well known for most people in the community uh, that is active. Um, that place is constantly active. Um, that's probably locally speaking my favorite place for activity, um, inside, outside, it's all over. <laughs> what, what are some of the things you picked up while you were there at Ripavilla? Um, I was on a tour actually with my daughter for her birthday. She wanted to go and we were at the kind of the back of the group and, um, 
I was leaning in one of the doorways and I happened to look out of the corner of my eye and I saw something kind of like a grayish and a corner, I kind of turned my head, and I was like, okay, what's this? And the more I turned my head, the more I realized it was an outline of a woman. So finally, I, t- I held on to my daughter, and I turned around, and there was a full figure of a woman in a dress with her hair in a bun. I guess you'd call it a bun. <laughs> and that whole full dress with the full hoop skirt, like, you could hear the skirt, or like, I could. And then... She kind of smiled, turned just a little bit, walked towards the stairway, and then poof, she disappeared. And I was like, oh, well, this is neat. I mean, it didn't scare me. I oddly found it comforting. Like, it was validating for me, I guess. Sure. Has there been anything that did scare you? Uh, not to date. <laughs> Not like the experience he had in, in that room and that, that other private investigation that we had done. Uh, you, you were telling me this a little bit before we, we hit the record button, David. Uh, can you go and tell the audience what we were talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we did a private investigation uh, outside of Columbia and uh, for some people that were having um, uh, multiple spirits in their house. And, and actually, uh, we, on, this, on that case... Um, we didn't do a lot of uh, pre-investigation, like with the with the knowledge of who used to live there and and what went on. And it was a very interesting investigation throughout the night. But um, one claim that we had was that the uh, kids were seeing a he/she kind of creature coming out of the closet. They didn't know what it was, and it was scaring the two little kids that stayed in that room. Um, I went into that room by myself, and I was taking some initial baselines, and uh, I was using our SLS camera. Another team member had uh, closed the closet door. Closet door is old house. It sagged. It was hard to close. Made a made a loud sound, you know, when it closed. Um, so he left the room. I was in there by myself. And I, uh, as I was scanning around the room, I started to get back near that closet. And when I got back near that closet with the camera, all the hair on my arm stood up. And it was goosebumps. And it was just one arm. It was my left arm. And I uh, just kind of froze, and I got to it, and all of a sudden, the closet door just started making that, you know, back opening sound back on it. And it opened up, and then on the SLS, actually, a stick figure came out of the top of the closet, or appeared on the camera, um, the viewing part, but um, and it just made me freeze. And it was my first experience uh, having that happen. And of course, uh, I'm a big guy, but my first initial thought was to run. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I said, wait I'm a so minute. I'm so happy you didn't. <laughs> I said, wait a minute. You know, I am here to document this. I don't think me running out of here is the best thing to do. But it was just that, that first time of that right there. And like I said, I was in there by myself. Uh, so I did calm down. And uh, like I said, uh, I eventually uh, said something to it. And on one of our voice recorders, uh, we captured a response back on it, that a whisper saying, wow, um, that... Um, Nobody was there to say that other than me and the me and the uh, entity. <laughs> sure, and, and these are private investigations, so you won't find these pictures anywhere. This is just for a client, correct? Right. Correct. Yeah. That we always go in there and we respect their privacy, and those will not be on social media or our website or whatever. And what if somebody was curious, like, man, I think my house might be haunted. Um, how, how do they contact you? 
Um, well, they will reach out to the team page, which um, that email goes to our team founder, Ronnie. Uh, it's www.tennesseeparanormal.net. And on there is are different ways to contact uh, the team or him. And he will, if we're closer, he might call us and say, hey, let's load up and go or, you know, whatever. I really appreciate you all coming by and taking time, telling us about your experiences. And uh, before we go, I know you all do walking tours as well. It's not just private. You have walking tours for people to come and spend some time with you all walking different facilities. What, what do you all do? We do. Um, the walking tours we do are at Henry Horton State Park. And um, we actually have one this Saturday. And that's the 28th, I believe. And it's from 6 to 8. And what we do in that two hours is we take you to different locations that we would go to on a full night's investigation. And we tell you some of the evidence that we've caught. And then we also tell you about the history of the park. So, because we want to keep history alive. Absolutely. So, that's what we'll do. And then that way, maybe, you know, you'll want to come out because you've heard a little snippet. And you'll be like, hey, I want to come back and play with the equipment and so forth. So, um that's kind of why yeah. we do it. On our full investigation nights, we bring out all of our equipment and we let you be a, an investigator with us on those nights. So you get to use all the equipment and work hand in hand with us and, oh, that's fun. Uh, and then get the full experience. Yeah, um, awesome. Yeah, that one's coming up October 12th at Henry Horton State Park. That's an all night investigation from 6 p.m. to 2 a.m. What, rain or shine? Rain or shine. <laughs> we have interior and exterior places out there. So we have. There are two locations that possibly wouldn't be accessible depending on how heavy the rain might be or whatnot but otherwise all the other locations are yeah and henry horton is actually it's very very, very active very <laughs> active and it's very exciting and a lot of people go what could it go on at it's a, a park, park you know but we've had equipment fly off tables there by itself nothing around we've had uh, people touched people smacked kind of deal um we've captured numerous evps um we've, spanish evps we've, we've captured yeah we've captured uh shadow figures walking you know in in some areas so we've there's there's a lot of things that have happened and there's a lot of history uh from you know governor horton from it being his uh the old mill out there um to you know to now being a state park so. all right well we'll put your contact information on the show notes, because I know not everybody has a pen and paper right now, especially if they're driving down the road. So I want to thank David and Nikki once again for being on Prices Highway. Thanks for having thank us. Thank you. Next time on The Big Show, I'll be talking to Corey Smith, a.k.a. The Yard Boy, about entrepreneurship and the ups and downs of being your own boss. Well, thanks for riding along with me today on Prices Highway, the podcast. So long, everybody. You've been listening to Price's Highway, a Steve Price totally terrible podcast production. 